0: Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Monday, June 1st, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Is COVID-19 actually a vascular disease, not a respiratory one? And is the virus itself getting weaker? Plus, kicking off Pride Month with a look at how much same-sex weddings have boosted the U.S. economy. Could human hibernation become a thing? A new exoplanet on our radar that could sustain life, and a 19th century clergyman's advice for dealing with low spirits and isolation. There are two bits of news that we're making a lot of headlines this weekend that I want to talk about. The first is a theory that the coronavirus might actually be a blood vessel disease, not a respiratory one. This is based on a paper published in The Lancet at the end of April, in which scientists discovered that SARS-CoV-2 can infect the endothelial cells that line the inside of blood vessels. Quoting Elemental, Endothelial cells protect the cardiovascular system, and they release proteins that influence everything from blood clotting to the immune response. In the paper, the scientists showed damage to endothelial cells in the lungs, heart, kidneys, liver, and intestines in people with COVID-19. Mandeep Mara, medical director of the Brigham and Women's Hospital Heart and Vascular Center and one of the authors of the study, explains, quote, The virus enters the lung, it destroys the lung tissue, and people start coughing. The destruction of the lung tissue breaks open some blood vessels. Then it starts to infect endothelial cell after endothelial cell, creates a local immune response, and inflames the endothelium, End quote. While this is very unprecedented, and I personally would like to see a lot more studies before forming an opinion, it would explain a lot of the strange symptoms and complications of COVID-19, like brain swelling, rashes, blood clots, kidney failure, and strokes. If this is the case, if COVID-19 is infecting blood vessels, the good news is that a number of treatments exist, some of which have already proven successful in treating COVID-19 patients. Quoting again, In another New England Journal of Medicine paper that looked at nearly 9,000 people with COVID-19, Mara showed that the use of statins and ACE inhibitors were linked to higher rates of survival. Statins reduce the risk of heart attacks not only by lowering cholesterol or preventing plaque, they also stabilize existing plaque, meaning they're less likely to rupture if someone is on the drugs. Mara says, quote, what we're saying is that maybe the best antiviral therapy is not actually an antiviral therapy. Maybe the best therapy might actually be a drug that stabilizes the vascular endothelial. We're building a drastically different concept, end quote. The other big news from the weekend doesn't have any study or evidence to back it up yet, but two separate Italian doctors have said that the new coronavirus is weakening. Alberto Zangrillo, the head of the San Rafael Hospital in Milan, told TV reporters, quote, the swabs that were performed over the last 10 days showed a viral load in quantitative terms that was absolutely infinitesimal compared to the ones carried out a month or two ago, end quote. Matteo Bassetti, head of the Infectious Diseases Clinic at the San Martino Hospital, also said, quote, the strength the virus had two months ago is not the same strength it has today. It is clear that today the COVID-19 disease is different, end quote. Again, I would reserve celebrations until we have some data on this. The word of those two doctors is literally all we have to go on right now, and there are tons of articles being published saying that this is a thing. But, It is intriguing and maybe hopeful. Pride Month kicks off today, and I'm sure this is not the last I will say about it as we embark on a Pride Month that looks drastically different from recent years. But one fun piece of news from over the weekend to start things off— Since the U.S. legalized same-sex marriage across the country in 2015, same-sex weddings have boosted state and local economies by an estimated $3.8 billion. This is according to a study published last week by the Williams Institute at UCLA's School of Law, quoting Reuters, Some $3.2 billion has been spent on weddings, while thousands of traveling wedding guests spent $544 million. The events generated an additional $244 million in state and local taxes, the research found. About 45,000 jobs were also supported by same-sex weddings, according to the study. Gay marriage was first approved in the state of Massachusetts in 2003, with several states following suit. By the time of the Supreme Court's landmark decision, some 242,000 same-sex couples had wed, the study said. The total has since more than doubled, with more than half a million gay and lesbian couples marrying in the United States." End quote. This news, of course, isn't entirely shocking. I remember when the legality of same-sex marriage was being debated here, there were a ton of jokes about how much money same-sex weddings could generate since gay couples weren't going to marry on the cheap. But that does just kind of make it even cooler to see the hard data five years later. The world is not great right now. Over the weekend, I saw a lot of people saying kudos to Bob and Doug, the SpaceX astronauts, for escaping planet Earth. If you're maybe feeling slightly similarly, wishing you could just fast forward until things are a little bit better again, you may be interested to know that hibernation is apparently kind of a possibility for humans and something that scientists have actually been studying for a while. Quoting The Atlantic, It's very possible that humans could hibernate, says Kelly Drew, a professor at the University of Alaska's Institute of Arctic Biology. Drew studies arctic ground squirrels, chunky little creatures that disappear into burrows for eight months of the year. The essence of hibernation, Drew explains, is body temperature regulation. Dropping the body's core temperature induces a low metabolic state of torpor, in which animals require almost no food. Most of the calories we warm-blooded animals burn go into maintaining our body temperatures, our basal metabolic rate. The squirrels' Drew studies, for example, curl up into little balls and plummet from 99 degrees to 27. This drops their basal metabolic rate by about 99%. Even dwarf lemurs, primates like us, can similarly reduce their caloric needs to 2% by dropping their temperatures. Humans, unfortunately, seem to have a stubbornly fixed set point, 98.6 degrees. Apart from minuscule daily fluctuations like a nighttime drop that coincides with our sleep, our temperatures only change as an indication of peril, fever, or hypothermia. Just a few degrees can mean the difference between health and imminent death. End quote. It's not that there's some hibernation molecule that we humans don't have or anything, Drew says. In fact, this temperature set point might not even be as immutable as it was once thought. Doctors use various cooling methods when treating emergency cases of cardiac arrest or during procedures when the heart must be stopped for a while. This can keep the brain and other organs alive while, quote, deprived of fuel. And some doctors think the concept could be taken even further or even cooler, to be more precise, by effectively introducing torpor in severe trauma cases, extending the time doctors have to operate. Quote, Even with the heart stopped, the brain can survive for roughly two hours at a low enough temperature, says Samuel Tisherman, a surgeon at the University of Maryland studying Emergency Preservation and Resuscitation, or EPR. But it's not just surgeons studying the concept of human hibernation for trauma patients. Six years ago, NASA began funding research on long-term hibernation for long-term space travel. Quoting again, The obvious benefit is needing less food, says John Bradford, an aerospace engineer who worked with the agency to develop a human hibernation protocol. One crew member would stay conscious, while the others hibernated for two-week periods. They could be kept in small pods, minimizing the amount of space in the ship that needs to be encased in radiation-blocking shields, which are extremely heavy and fuel-inefficient. End quote. But there are some serious hurdles to overcome. Quote, Because our bodies don't store food reserves, the astronauts would have to be fed through a tube, surgically inserted by boring a hole through the front of the abdomen into the stomach. Bradford says the biggest challenge would be dropping people's temperatures without causing them to shiver and burn up energy. In hospitals, shivering is overcome with sedative medications, but Bradford's team is wary of having a team of astronauts take heavy sedatives for weeks or months, end quote. Both Bradford and Tisherman, the surgeon, think the best chance of lowering someone's temperature safely is via some form of drug. Fortunately, Drew, the squirrel biologist, successfully tested a cooling drug in rats and is hoping to move on to human trials pending FDA approval. Beyond emergency trauma treatment and space travel, induced cooling drugs could also be useful in treating various inflammatory diseases and insomnia, possibly even diabetes and obesity. And we're not talking about real full-on long-term hibernation to treat those though, just some type of drug that might modulate body temperature. As for that real hibernation, It seems like two weeks might be the absolute max before our bowels rupture, leading to sepsis, if studies of rats are any indication. And perhaps more disappointing, it's unlikely that one would come out of hibernation feeling well-rested and rejuvenated, since hibernation isn't exactly the same thing as sleeping, studies of primates have shown. It's not like we could clock out to catch up on sleep for a couple of days or weeks and then go back to normal feeling better than before. So it sounds like we can't just go into hibernation for the next couple of years and wake up in a world with a COVID-19 vaccine, though it is a nice thing to dream about. Regardless of those fantasies, however, these advances in temperature modulation in humans is super cool and could mean huge things for health and human potential in the future. Researchers have confirmed the existence of an Earth like planet orbiting Proxima Centauri, the star nearest to our solar system. Proxima Centauri B, or Proxima B for short, is 1.17 times the mass of Earth and orbits its star in just 11.2 days. Despite orbiting Proxima Centauri at a very close distance, Proxima B receives about the same amount of energy from it as Earth does from the Sun. This finding has scientists excited about the potential of alien life. But, quoting Futurism, Proxima Centauri tends to bombard any planets in its vicinity with a ferocious amount of X-rays. Proxima b receives about 400 times the amount as Earth receives from its sun. That leads to the question, is there an atmosphere that protects the planet from these deadly rays? Asked co-author Christoph Lovis, a researcher who worked on Espresso, a new generation spectrograph that was used to fine-tune measurements of the exoplanet, end quote. A newer generation of spectrographs might help us get closer to answering some of these questions. Although, actually, traveling to Proxima B is pretty much out of the question. Quoting again from Futurism, Proxima Centauri is only 4.2 light years from the sun, meaning that it would still take several thousand years to get there using today's propulsion technology. End quote. Ending today with some quarantine advice from the past. Writer Verlin Klinkenborg shared this interesting find in the New York Review of Books recently from 19th century clergyman Sidney Smith. Reverend Smith wasn't exactly in quarantine when he dispensed it, so you will hear some of the tips being to go see friends. In our present times, perhaps add to that see friends via Zoom or while wearing a mask and social distancing. Rather than being quarantined, Reverend Smith, a city guy, was merely confined to the countryside in his role as a rector, and he was also apparently fairly prone to depression. In this letter to a Lady Georgiana, he shares advice for coping with low spirits and isolation. And I'm just going to read you the whole letter. Here it is. Dear Lady Georgiana, nobody has suffered more from low spirits than I have done, so I feel for you. First, live as well and drink as much wine as you dare. Second, go into the shower bath with a small quantity of water at a temperature low enough to give you a slight sensation of cold, 75 or 80 degrees. Third, amusing books. Fourth, short views of human life not farther than dinner or tea. Fifth, be as busy as you can. Sixth, see as much as you can of those friends who respect and like you. Seventh, and of those acquaintance who amuse you. Eighth, make no secret about low spirits to your friends, but talk of them fully. They are always worse for dignified concealment. Ninth, attend to the effects tea and coffee produce upon you. Tenth, compare your lot with that of other people. Eleventh, don't expect too much from human life. A sorry business at best. Twelfth, avoid poetry, traumatic representations, except comedy, music, serious novels, melancholy, sentimental people, and everything likely to excite feeling or emotion not ending in active benevolence. Thirteenth, do good, and endeavor to please everybody of every degree. Fourteenth, be as much as you can in the open air without fatigue. Fifteenth, make the room where you commonly sit gay and pleasant. Sixteenth, struggle by little and little against idleness. 17th, don't be too severe upon yourself or underrate yourself, but do yourself justice. 18th, keep good blazing fires. 19th, be firm and constant in the exercise of rational religion. 20th, believe me, dear Lady Georgiana, very truly yours, Sydney Smith. End quote. Now, of course, not all of that is quite applicable to our times or for every person out there, but I always find it reassuring to remember that our feelings, our struggles, are not entirely unique to our time, and that people before us found ways to persevere, and so too will we persevere now. That is all for today. I just wanted to say I know there's even more pain and struggle in the world right now than there has been even these last few months of the pandemic, so I hope that this show was a brief distraction for you, a momentary antidote to the harsh realities surrounding us, maybe giving you a few new thoughts to keep with you as you go about your day. Here at The Good News Ride Home, we will keep bringing you more optimistic, encouraging, fascinating, weird, and hopeful stories every day. So thank you for listening. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.